Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. Uh, well, I loved what you wanted to talk about, though. Like the just like kind of updates and what's going on, and yeah, yeah, and uh, where do we want to go this year, kind of right? Yeah, yeah, keeping it simple and um, kind of more of a casual episode than a hard episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it. We, um, my husband and I used to um meet with other couples when we were you know so to support each other in our marriage and you know so you'd try to have topical guides on things on the the meetings but the thing that always was the biggest charge was we call we called it check-in and it would end up the whole session was check-in just to say well where are you right now in yourself and in your relationship. And I think that's what you're proposing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cause I always feel like the, yes, we have great conversations when we have specific topics, but I also think we have those great conversations and topics are born within these check-in moments, which is pretty cool. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So then we right before we click record and I was like, Oh, we should probably actually record this, this conversation. Um, you're, you're doing a new Ayurvedic medicine course and you were just saying mm-hmm. how it's completely different than what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, so I should say that. So Jessica Villela is um, the doctor who runs this program. She is the first American woman to graduate from a 
BAMS school in India. And that, those are colleges for Ayurveda. They're five and a half years. And um, I think she hasn't, my impression is she hasn't been well received in the United States because she's saying when she came back here to practice, Ayurveda isn't licensed in the United States. It was mainly brought in by people interested in yoga and meditation who, and they said, Hey, people who like yoga and meditation were like Ayurveda, let's bring somebody over to teach that. And that, um, they, uh, what should I say? Anyway, for various reasons, Ayurveda in the U S has never been licensed. The, the trainings for it, are all over the board as far as length. Nobody approaches the five and a half years. And um, so maybe a year or, you know, maybe they go spend a couple months in India, but who would go to a medical doctor who just went to a couple of months in America and then, you know, a year or some in their country, you know. Uh, so I, I, we're all well-intentioned and wanting to help people. I don't... Uh, don't want to put down people who've tried to learn in that fashion, but there's going to be information missing. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm going through this course of study, first of all, she holds a really high standard, a high expectation that you will read, you will study and you will memorize. And I, um, it makes me realize how in the U S we want things fast and easy uh, just tell me where I can find it in the book. Don't make me memorize. And um, I've really had to toughen up and and work work hard to put the time in and um, study this. And then, uh, in addition, it's a whole nother model of looking at ourselves. Um, so if I liken it to my whole process of learning, you know, going into physical therapy school, it was like learning about muscles and joints. Well, then um, somebody talked about the fascial system and that was, that just blew me away. And I was upsetting even to try and comprehend this and how, how it affected my whole body. Well, then looking at it as a craniosacral system and then and then discovering visceral manipulation, the fascia around the organs. And that was like, I started to talk about it, like we're a big house and all these different rooms in my house were being opened up. Well, now this idea of dosha is, is opening up. And I realized it's not an energy. I mean, that everything is energy. We, the, our whole makeup is energy. This is, this is, has a substance to it. Yeah, but it's it's subtle and it at this point is based on our ability to observe the doshas. But uh, as she's teaching us, like there's just it's very complicated, much more complicated than it's ever been presented to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm being very challenged by this program and I love it. <laughs> Nice. And the fact that with all the amount of studying and dedication that you've had to growth, it's definitely says something to the fact of that this is the hardest amount of studying and more in depth and more rigorous coursework than you've had in a long time. Yeah. 
And, but I, I want it for the, the people I see and for myself that it's, you know, in our patient population, there's always a question, right? Every day we, I encounter someone, I don't know what's going on for them. So I'm always looking for answers. And I thought that Ayurveda would hold answers. And I really think it does just for instance, they define six levels of illness or the, of, in the development of illness process. They call it the Shad Kriya Kala. So Shad Kriya Kala. And Western medicine starts defining at stage five. So there's all these four stages. And like, totally, that's our patient, right? I went to the doctor. They're not finding anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I say, that's good because they find the bad stuff. That's yeah, it's like right. a precursor to actual findings of what they're looking for. So Ayurveda offers an opportunity to have some answers for those where you feel like things are going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in our country, frankly, it's going to be a challenge to find somebody who uses the system to its greatest extent. Mm-hmm. And if somebody tries, they're not licensed you know, that's very risky for them. So a lot of them are reduced to mainly working with diet and nutrition, which is important, but there's so much more that can be done with it. Um, So that's, I mean, that's where I'm devoting myself this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) learning. Well, she has a, she's broken it into three years and you can stop at the end of any year. So the, oh, wow. this, this year ends and I would qualify as a swasta acharya, which is a Sanskrit for health coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the people, a couple of the people who are in the program have gone through other programs and they're, they're blown away by this program and the amount of information that's put out, mm-hmm. uh, that, that it's just, again, much higher standards than that they've been exposed to. And be, because of the amount of information that's put out, there's a nuance in understanding um, how this is applied. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm st- I, I couldn't even, I could maybe give you examples, but unless people under, have some of these yeah. basic knowledge, they wouldn't. Yeah. No, but I say seek people out with these kind of standards. She does online consults. And um, as part of the process, I'm applying it to my own self and working, you know, with the doctor. And um, that's been a process, too. Uh, as in, And this has been working in terms of my diet and lifestyle. And uh it's looking at how to eat to support the optimal equilibrium of dosha in the body. So doshas are, um, there's bodily doshas and they're mental doshas. Hmm. And the bodily doshas are, you could classify them as sun, moon, and wind. And the mind dosa, doshas as um action and inertia 
And these are present in us all the time. Um, and, and day to day through the seasons, uh, through the course of the day, the course of our life. And it invites you to look and see where, where am I with that? So, yeah. Um, cool idea to think that we're it's a check-in for ourselves but in a more mindful way I always feel like yeah we can talk kind of on the surface level but if we really want to get down to the nitty-gritty it sounds like that's you know what you're studying is we can check in and like really get to the bottom of things Um, yeah and I, I love the mindfulness of it because I'm not it's not like there's this one great food and everyone should eat it yeah exactly you need to know yourself and look at the day. Like, how am I feeling today? What do I need for myself today? And this has really rocked my boat. I like, I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that love routine, you know, and this is asking like, you're allowed to change your routine depending on what your needs are today. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if my needs are different than your needs. Yeah. You know, so maybe some for some people intermittent fasting is a great idea and somebody else it's not it's not all uh or food elimination they're not really into food elimination either which um that's something i'm really working with because i've i've eaten gluten-free or you know very very sparsely for um 15 years at least and their position is, especially if you're Eastern European, you for generations, your your DNA, it was raised on that as a staple food, wheat as a staple food. And when you don't eat something like that, then you deprive your body of nutrients that it needs to be strong. So you have to find a way to bring that food back in. Yeah, and I, we were talking that the in the just like you said like for generations and and thousands of years we've been eating gluten in some form and then now all of a sudden it's quote unquote not good for us but we talked about how it might be the chemicals that are on the weeds and it's actually in the depletion of the soil and that bread is supposed to be flour yeast and water and salt and we're not using the yeast like we should and it's quick bread or it's not like you know the what it really should be so let's think of it that way instead of demonizing gluten right the 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 sourcing of the wheat the type of wheat the, the preparation of it all those things can affect how your body is able to utilize it so it at first you might need to eliminate the food in order to feel good enough to take action and figure, uh, but the next step is figure out how to get it back in your diet or you're not, you know, or I haven't really resolved my problem if I can't eat those things. Um, yeah. Um, they're, they're number one, the number one most important thing you do with your food in Ayurveda is quantity and and quantity and timing. So um, that has taken me a while to get my head around. Yeah. The timing (sighs) one was so hard for me because like the other day 
um, I like worked in the clinic in from the morning till early afternoon, and I only set like a really small lunch timetable for me, and then I went straight to the gym to coach. So I ate at eight thirty, and I didn't, and I was done coaching at five thirty. And you're like, I, I'm, I can't, I can't go work out then. I don't feel very good. Why didn't I like make myself more a priority with that timing of things? And it's amazing how, um, depending on like what type of job we have or our life circumstances, that you know we kind of instead of making our schedule around us being able to eat, we like fit in our eating to fit our schedule, you know, and that's maybe not the best option that we have for us. Yeah. There's a a line in some of the classic literature of Ayurveda that's like, protect, you know, protect your health. Like to, I can't quite remember the example, but like, just like you would be, you would fight to protect your health against anything that's coming at you, you know? And um, that's not our, most of us do what, what you did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll do and it wonder, too. Yeah. And you wonder why I have a headache, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. But getting consistent um, with, with the timing. So what I'll do if I know that I'm going to have a full day like that, like I'll eat a light breakfast so that I'm hungry at about 10 and then I'll eat my lunch at 10 and up and then dinner at six. Yeah. Um, some of this stuff is really logical too. Like, well, how do you know how often to eat? Um, well, there's these things called Jirna Lakshanas, which are signs of complete digestion. So if you ate something that was in the right quantity and the right food for you, when you get done eating, you should feel enthusiastic, satisfied, um, that within a bit of time, there should be a sense of lightness. And then when it's getting close to time to eat again, there would be clear burps, uh, hunger and thirst. And I should say also, after you eat, you should feel like you have some urge to defecate um, too, or at least you can feel the system moving. And so the, the stomach should empty a meal in four to six hours. Is it? So some people are going to digest quicker and some slower. Mm -hmm. And then if that's happening, then you would, you know, work with the practitioner to time your meals right for you and the size right for you but you're just helping your body have the time to process the food so what you're you're doing when when you and this is so typical you know you you eat and then you're up and going yeah (laughs) and we're focused on what we're eating like well i ate this healthy smoothie thing but i just gave it no time to digest Mm yeah yeah Good. I, we'll have to do another, like maybe in six months, we'll have to do another update on where you're at and the new things that you're learning with, you know, with this new, your next yeah. cohort that you're doing and stuff like that. Yeah. I would have to say over, oh, there's a, a side benefit to this, which is, you know, being older and learning something completely new has been so good for my brain. Mm-hmm. 
I am thinking better. Um, I'm able to remember things better. It's very empowering. Nice. I think that's super important because I've had some conversations recently with patients that had their own experiences or with their family or loved ones or friends that, you know, once they hit retirement, you know, their brain goes or their physical body goes and how we're like so tied to like the definition of our job. But I also think it's important, like, yes, you're more than your job, but I think it's also important to know, like, you're using your brain, though, which is super good for us. And if we're not using our brain after retirement, you know, or even later in life, if we're still working and we're not using our brain beyond what we do for our daily job, then, yeah, things can kind of shift in a direction that we don't necessarily want to shift. Yeah. Yeah, keeping the the brain active and knowing how to do that more than puzzles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memorizing is great. Yeah. What? So, what's happening with you? I am in the thick of studying for the board certification for women's health in physical therapy. So. I'm in a group of lovely women from Texas and Arizona and Idaho and Colorado that we meet um, once a week to go over the articles and the study guide that we're supposed to go through and talk about other things and we share resources and um, and these are people that have don't know each other, which is pretty cool too. And we, um, we have about six weeks left, five weeks left until the test. Um, so I'm definitely in the thick of that. I was talking to someone the other day about like, I'm, I'm a pretty good test taker and anyone who's been in school for as long as we have, like knows how to take a (laughs) test. Um, but also the last time I took a board test, I was living with my parents I you know they were cooking for me uh they were doing my laundry I literally was studying eight hours a day for five weeks right Uh, that was my huge my specific you know um my job was to study and now it's like oh wait I have a full-time job and I like to do this and I have a husband and family and dogs and I have to do my own laundry and like all that stuff you know and you're like oh this is a lot harder than it was when I was in school so learning how to um, balance the work demands and study demands and all that stuff is has been interesting I feel you boy that's coming up fast too it is it really is um I'm feeling good though I the thing that my number one that I'm a little nervous about is um, how nitty gritty they're going to get with anatomy, but then they're not going to just going to be like, what innervates this muscle or where is this attachment? It's going to be, there's an injury to this area. What structures are affected, right? It's going to be more, you know, applicable to our job and mm-hmm. thinking. And so I'm a little nervous about that because I just, I'm such a visual person. And so if I don't have a model in front of me, 
you know, while they're asking me this question and I can point to that area, like, it's going to be hard for me. So at least I know what I think is going to be my hardest thing. And that's where I'm going to focus on. So mm-hmm. anytime that we, so we split up, like, it's crazy. I, I don't know how anybody who is in the position that we are in would be able to read all the things that you have to read for the, what's the suggested study guide. I mean, it's mm-hmm. recommending 400 pages a week and trying to read all of that on your own would be, I, I don't know how it would be done. And so we split up everything. And so I always make sure that I pick the ones that are about anatomy so that I can really take my time to like read the article. And then I organize an outline, you know, to make sure that I understand the flow of what they're talking about um, so that I spend a little bit more time on the things that I struggle with. So at least I know it and I'm putting in my into action and participating. Mm-hmm. So and they held me accountable, you know, like I'm such a procrastinator for many reasons. And when I'm held accountable to someone else's timeline, mm-hmm. I do so much better. So it's been really positive. And I'm sure afterwards we'll, um, you know, it's, there are more colleagues that I have around the country that I can always yeah. talk to and, and say, Oh, I know someone there. Like if I'm in the social media world or, traveling and I'm like oh I know someone there like this is who it is like it's just it'd be really cool so yeah I I love that meeting new people oh yeah yeah and especially something when you have that you know for sure that you have something in common um Mm -hmm. is is good and of course like you know you'd have other interests besides like what you have in common um but it's been nice to to know just what other people are doing and within the same realm that you're doing and how they're handling also juggling work and family and stuff like that. So yes, really nice. And then it's like, like once that's done, so my test is March 5th Mm -hmm. and then after that, it's like, okay, on to the next thing. Right. And so, um, I, so every five years, if you are, have the CrossFit, certification for coaching you either have to renew the current level that you're on or go to the next one and you're like well might as well go to the next one so this year um my I have to get my level two yeah so then the level two um some people at the gym also have to the gym that I work at also has to do it so we're gonna do it together so I think that would be nice oh yeah yeah, so then the first time I did it, I was by myself. So that'd be nice to be with people that I know. And then I also decided to do, to really dive deep into the doula stuff. And um, so I have like all the things that I want to like read. I have all my extra stuff that I kind of want to do. Um, so... I'm excited to start that process too. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I've also mm-hmm. been like contemplating, do I even call myself a doula? Because like I have more knowledge and skill set beyond a doula, but yet mm-hmm. people understand what a doula is. So yeah. I'm trying to find like what the definition that I want to be, but then also like, why does it matter? You know? So, you know, am I putting more emphasis on the name of, 
or a word, you know, to describe myself and what I'm able to offer, you know. So I'm excited to do that process too. So definitely the level two CrossFit certification is going to be first. And then I probably really won't do doula stuff until the fall. Mm -hmm. uh, Just because summer is so busy with our softball team. So yeah. um, so yeah, I'm excited to see where that's going to go. That's what a rich say? life you're describing. <laughs> it is. Um, it's pretty cool how you you start kind of getting yourself into things that does fulfill you a little bit more than you ever thought it would and making sure you make that a priority. It's been pretty cool. Well, you sound like me in that I, um, you know, like some people run 5Ks. I like to acquire knowledge. That's what yeah. you sound like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, yeah. I always joke to you, like the, my bookshelf is growing and growing and yet I haven't <laughs> quite read as much as I would like to, but. It's a reference library. It's a, it is a very extensive reference library for sure. Uh, well, I have one too. And I use it though, you know, like maybe not every book is read cover to cover, but they've all been touched and examined. And then when I need some information, I know right where to go to get it. Yeah, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so one thing you bring up that it's been, uh, well, that the, the connection that's made with other people makes all of this stuff the most fun. That's what enriches me the most, I think, oh, even absolutely. more than the information, is the connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I'm doing is that open to your authentic self workshops that we do. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, our latest iteration, our being Judy Dirks and I, Judy Dirks is the counselor, is uh, called Through Grief to Peace. And we've expanded our team. Uh, I'm so, so excited about that because, well, okay, so it'll be four months or four years that I've been here in the beginning of April. And, you know, the first two, three years, it was just you and Judy and mm-hmm. Shona. And then now we're expanding this to other people and again, making those connections. And um, I'm super excited to see where it it goes because the more community involvement, the more it could just morph into like more amazing than what it already is. Like I'm super excited for this. Uh, Yeah. I hope people, if they are hearing this, will want to sign up or share it with people they think would like it because I think it's, is something that can help make the world a better place. And um, so Judy and I would meet every week for years. We've done that. And I did it uh, uh, because it held me accountable. And I believe in my position of running the clinic and, and the type of work that we do that it's important to have accountability uh, to someone, uh, another professional like that. But we built a friendship around that. And um, we ourselves were practicing authenticity with each other. I think maybe what we're striving for here, too, is like to know each other, to not not just to put up, oh, this is what I'm good at, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but to put our vulnerabilities out there, too. 
And so then we brought in Cheryl Kulas, who who is a grief support uh, chaplain. And and now we've expanded times two. We brought in um, Sheila Salinas, who's a nurse, um, and and um, uh, Rainy Sauer, who's another uh, chaplain. And uh, we felt that it's important, though, that we not just bring in a skill set, that, but we bring in that same authenticity of relationship. So we've been spending the last, I you know, three four months meeting again every week. And, and checking in with each other and to build connection. Mm-hmm. And um, this has been weighing on me the importance of, of that. And what does it actually mean to make connection? So, um, so my dad died on New Year's Eve and I got to spend those six weeks with him pre- before he died. And one of the things, you know, we didn't talk much, but there'd be these little moments where he would say something. And he he said, you know, he'd say, you know, so-and-so, I don't really know them. And it would be like I'd st- a one relationship removed from him, and he felt he didn't know that person. Yeah. And, and they've been with him in his whole life. And um, I, I was like, that's where I was thinking, how do I not have that happen to me? How do I feel connect? How do I build connection? And then I was talking to my son about this and he says, well, grandpa was a great guy, but grandpa couldn't listen. And that uh, being able to listen to each other and that really, it hit me. He's absolutely right. But my dad had a lot of anxiety probably because he served in war and in his generation, they never really treated that. They just were like, buck up, get back on, go back to life and press on. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had this anxiety, this sense of shame, not being good enough. That really interfered with his ability to listen to others. Mm-hmm. He tried to make connection by talking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did the best he could. But mm-hmm. so I, I learned you know, I really want to work on my listening. <laughs> I like that. I think we do. It's a good reminder for all of us that the more that we listen and the more that we reflect, will make better communication and what you have to say, you know, more enriching. And that is obviously it doesn't have to be everything. You can also have small talk and they make it simple and make it fun, you know. Um, but it, that's fascinating. What an interesting way to say that you know, despite living for 90 plus years, like not being able to know people is kind of sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there is a, yes, but he lived, I mean, not like he lived a good life. So we all, uh, I don't want to say anything bad about him, but yeah. it is a lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're living in a time where we're not getting good. We're not mm-hmm. listening very well yeah. to each other. Yeah, so I think it hits home probably a little bit more than it would, you know, any other time. Um, and and with all these things that we're doing, you know, okay, so you and I love to learn. But it's not just the acquiring knowledge. It's the relationships that are built around acquiring that knowledge. <laughs> 
and and also acquiring knowledge is something to do it beats uh gossip <laughs> or well, i just find like i i want to be able to be in any situation and feel comfortable talking about something and connecting with people and not being afraid to like state my opinion that mm-hmm. is mostly hopefully connected by some form of reflection beyond just my opinion you know I think it's we all have that in ourselves that we want deeper connection that we want deeper meaning you know to life and we but so a lot of us are afraid to go to that level um I remember um before I moved here and before I met my husband that I was talking to my therapist at the time and talking about a a relationship that I was in and talking about like the depth that people are willing to go is, is changes depending on your circumstances and your makeup and your genetics and how you were raised and your worldview and that some people are seriously unable to get to a certain depth. And if you don't, if you can't get to that, if that person can't get to your depth or close to it, then that relationship isn't going to last as long as you would like it to. So Uh, yeah, it's like finding that, that same level that you're willing to go to. And another person is, I think what draws you to certain people versus other people. mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and recognizing when people can't listen, that it, it's not, they're not doing something wrong. It's they're doing the best they can. Have. there's there may be something holding them back like like for my dad a, an anxiety that actually those of us around him we didn't know it wasn't until the end of his life that I realized how much anxiety he had and it, because it had always come out in the form of controlling his environment he was very functional with it um, he made he made things better around him that uh so so i always want to turn those things into me so like it like how am i doing that Mm -hmm. how how does anxiety or fear or shame keep me from being fully present for other people or experiencing just the beauty in the day Mm -hmm. and um the way that we are required to do business now, I mean, like, you, you, you know, we've had that conversation recently about the pressures of insurance, what they create. Uh, so you have to, like, be willing to set that aside in order to practice um, calm peace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's, it doesn't just happen, I guess. You have to choose it. Just like you didn't used to have to think about gluten <laughs> or, or natural or whole foods or local foods. All foods were <laughs> yeah, natural, whole, and local. <laughs> yeah, I think especially nowadays, like going back to what you said about like we're all doing the best that we can and like Brene Brown finished it like extends that quote to say we're all doing the best we can with what we have and you know we 
a lot an understanding too that what we know is very directed towards our upbringing and our environment that we're in and a lot of what we have are trauma responses and mm-hmm. and you know I, I love here like because I never really realized this too because when I was younger and to this day people pleaser the fixer like let me take on your burden so that you feel better but the more yeah. that I've done my own research and and reflecting it's like no no no, no. that's what I told people what I was doing but in reality, it's a way to manipulate the situation so that I feel better about yes. the situation and the environment. And you're like, oh, wait, now I'm the asshole. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, wait, 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 I was giving like everyone else was the asshole, you know? So I just, and then you start thinking like, oh, like, am I a bad person? Then, Which no, like, you know, you're not a bad person. No one's a bad person, you know? It's just when you realize that, a lot of the things that you do are subconscious and it's a way to make you, your nervous system feel safe and to make things work the way that you want it to work. Then, then you start realizing then when things rally you up, then you're like, Oh, okay. I don't need to fix it. I don't need like, I don't have to fix other people's problems. I don't have to fix the situation. Just let it be. Let's reflect and then go from there. This reminds me, this whole open to your authentic self workshops, they started as goal setting workshops Hmm. and how to be your best, best you yet, best year yet. And um, at one point, Judy came around and said, well, well, because we would work with people, we'd get some change and then they would just go back to the Hmm. way they, you know, were before. And that's where she came up with the name, open to your authentic self. If we really find our true, our essence, like who would we be if we were not uh, living in conformity to others' expectations of us or even our own expectations of us? We'd like, wow, what's this life inside of me? And how would I like to express it and live that way? So if you want to wear, you know, paisley or, floral or call yourself whatever you want to call yourself um be whoever you feel that you are within uh what would that be like and and so as we've worked toward helping people find that authentic self many times then as a result people are losing weight or they're they're living they're doing things they wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and I, my other thought is that, you know, our profession is goal setting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I, I even tell people because we have massage therapists at the clinic, there's a, there's a profession who will meet you where you're at. And our profession is you need to change. <laughs> Yeah, which we talked about over the weekend. Like we had a continuing education course, and just with our clinic. And um, my one question towards the end was like, "Well, how do we make or help people make these choices to improve their function and buy into like what we're talking about?" And 
And some of it is, again, reflecting, like, my ego. Like, some of it is that I want the people to do what I say because I feel like I know what I'm talking about, right? So that's one, like, check the ego out the door, right? And I want people to take me seriously. So, again, check the ego out the door. Um, And also the frustration of, like, well, you're here, so you're wanting to have input, but yet there's no action to it. So, like, what's the disconnect? Um, and, but like you just said, it's like really meeting, you have to learn how to meet people where they're at and know that the goal setting that we are put in is because of our medical model and not because we that's like actually how physical therapy is supposed to be practiced. So when you realize that too, then you're like, okay, so I'm fighting, I'm fighting against the system from what it was built originally into what it is now. So yeah, is that too. And, and it's probably a good question for all of us, like how the influences in life influence us and our perception and our levels of anxiety and um, fear. Um, And so that if we become aware of them, we can decide if we're going to let them do that to us. Mm-hmm. There, I, I remember seeing a show years ago about uh, the history of things and one episode was on the history of money and the other was the history of time and measuring time and that there was a time in humanity where they didn't measure time mm-hmm. and what would life be like if we weren't on a clock oh that sounds fantastic <laughs> yeah because you know we're we are in a job that's hour to hour you know stay on the clock and then money like when there was no money money created cities because people could could now uh trade money instead of trade things and so people ended up uh in cities where they didn't have cities before money that's that's interesting oh it it was i wish i remembered the name of the show because it was fascinating Mm -hmm. to think about how these uh, things we take for granted are, are influencing us. So, um, yeah, a lot, lot on this topic. Yeah. I also think about there's value in goals and direction in life. Like in recent years, I've heard people, more and more people say, I don't make New Year's resolutions, you know. And uh, who was it? Reese Witherspoon, I think, got mocked by some other famous person recently because she was talking about setting goals. And this other person was like, I'm just going to sit back and binge watch TV. You know, like there's this pride in being without direction and um, uh, without without self-discipline. And that, and we all laugh at that. And there is a place for direction and goals. <laughs> I think it's like, again, a trauma response. Like we, unfortunately, as a society, and I mean like United States, that the goals need to reflect like a big change and that you're not worthy right now and that you, um, you are obviously not going to make those goals because you're not worthy enough. And it's like, 
So the trauma response then is to do nothing, right? And to go against it, to push back against the goal setting. But it's because the the goals were inappropriate, not that the act of setting goals was inappropriate. It was like the actual goals that we were setting up were inappropriate. And so when we think of it that way too, then we're like, oh no, like setting goals is appropriate and meaningful and important. We just have to set the right ones in the, with the Mm -hmm. right intentions. In the intentions. Yeah. I like that very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. We had to have to make it short today. Yeah. No, I love it. It was, this was great. Good. I did. I did like that. I do like this conversation. Thank you. Yeah. These are good topics. Yeah. I mean, these breed again, specific hard hitting podcasts, but also like, I think people just love to hear other people chat about life. Like, I think it's a lot of fun too. We'll do more (laughs) check-ins. Sounds good. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.